And thank you guys. That uh, song really expresses very well what we've said many, many times that uh, I think it's never before you need to be ready uh, to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And this could very well be the year that that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ will rise and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So we live in an exciting time. I cannot think in a, of another time in all the history of the world that I'd rather live than the day in which we live right now. God has given us this opportunity before us. And uh, we live in an exciting time. We're seeing Bible prophecy fulfilled before our very eyes. And uh, so you better be ready for that uh, trumpet sound. Be ready uh, for the call when we go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5. If you're able to stand with me, if you'll stand here this evening, Matthew chapter 5. I want to read just a, a section of this. We'll focus on verse 3 this evening. Matthew chapter 5, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. And I think often, and mentioned it this morning, what a privilege to hear Jesus preach, this greatest sermon that has ever been preached. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And though I'll be focused tonight on verse 3, I wanted to read this. I think this is a section of scripture that Christians ought to memorize, ought to put this in your heart. And I thought about this, we had a watch night service and, and one of the things that we did in the watch night service, uh, Brother Ho put together some good questions and uh, this was one of the questions uh, delved out to the teams uh, to list out uh, the Beatitudes. And so it'd be good to memorize these uh, attitudes and uh, have them focused in your heart. And so hopefully as we preach through them, uh, you're going to be able to hide these in your heart and make them a part of your life. Let's go to the Lord this evening in prayer. You ask the Lord for his way in this service that uh, the Lord would be uplifted and exalted. Father, thank you. Uh, again, just a privilege to open up the word of God. I do not take lightly uh, this opportunity to stand behind this pulpit and to preach the word of God unto this congregation. And Lord, I pray that tonight uh, you would be our teacher, that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, you know every need in this audience. You know every heart. And Lord, as I preach, there is no doubt somebody in this audience here tonight that if the trumpets sounded, they're not ready. They've never been born again. And Lord, that you would challenge that heart. And Lord, maybe there's somebody here tonight that uh, just this principle that we'll delve into tonight is something that is so needed in their life, uh, just in giving victory, perhaps in an area. Now, Lord, exalt your name. Uplift yourself, we ask and we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated uh, this evening. Um, I mentioned this morning, just by way of introduction, that the, the greatest revival that I've ever personally witnessed uh, was a church in Oklahoma when I was going to college and God had placed me in a, in a Baptist church there and uh, serving the Lord in that church. We had a revival meeting 
And uh, the evangelist that my pastor asked to come and preach that meeting was not uh, what you would call a charismatic preacher or a charismatic speaker. He stuttered as he spoke, and yet the power of God was on those services. And uh, he took and preached uh, through the Beatitudes, and just each night uh, dealt with a different Beatitude. Uh, God just so worked in that meeting. Uh, we had souls that were saved, and uh, the people of God became excited. I, I witnessed this night after night. The altars were filled, and uh, there were people weeping. There was a sense of confession of sin and humility, and uh, really God uh, dealt in such a mighty and powerful way. The meeting, as I mentioned this morning, extended from one week to two weeks and to three weeks, and uh, really saw uh, God do some eternal permanent work in lives, and the work that was done in my own heart uh, through that meeting is, is a work that to this day, in fact, some of the principles that I'll be preaching upon were, were principles that this preacher, this evangelist shared uh, during that meeting. Uh, they, the Beatitudes are attitudes of the kingdom. They're attitudes of Christ. As we mentioned briefly this morning, uh, going through these attitudes, these Beatitudes, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ perfectly represents each and every one of them. Uh, there are attitudes that Christ wants to work into the heart of those that are truly born again. And these are the attitudes that will lead to God's blessings in the kingdom. Now, regardless of what happens in the coming days, regardless of what takes place in our world, God's people can be blessed. And I'm thoroughly convinced that uh, these attitudes will set before us a path of blessing and a path of revival. And that's my longing. I long to see God move in such a way that there's no explanation for it other than God did it. I have longed for Española Valley, that God would work in might and power in this valley, and that we would see the captive set free and the blind made to see and the lame made to walk. And I speak of this in a spiritual sense, that God uh, would do such a work that there is no explanation other than God worked in saving power. And I believe these principles, these attitudes, these beatitudes, uh, lay forth for us the foundation to see God work in might and in power. Now let's delve into this tonight. Read again with me verse number 3. Verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit, um, let's define it to begin with. The, the best definition I've heard of what it is to be poor in spirit is to become as a beggar. Uh, I'd like you to picture here tonight maybe a crippled sick man, unable to work, unable to provide for himself. I, I think of Acts chapter 3, a certain man, lame, from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And we know based upon Acts 3 and Acts chapter 4, evidently this man was taken by others to the temple on a regular basis, on a daily basis, and such that uh, those who entered the temple knew this man. He was a constant there at the temple. He was one that they would know, that they would recognize. And we know in our account in Acts chapter 3 that uh, Peter and John, 
uh, were able to heal this man. And of course, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Acts 4, uh, they said that it was done in the name of the Lord and by the power of that name. And this man was made to leap and walk and shout and rejoice in the Lord. But uh, we look at his life as a beggar. You consider this beggar. Uh, he had a need. Uh, he was lame. He could not provide for himself. Uh, he needed food and money with which to live. But he had no means of providing that. He had a need. And he could not meet this need on his own. Uh, he would not get around. Others had to carry him. The Bible tells us that they placed him daily at the gate beautiful. Uh, no one would hire him. Uh, he was unable to work and provide for himself. So here's a man that had a need, and he could not meet his own need. And as we read the account, he was not ashamed to make his need known. He said daily at the gate, beautiful, they carried him to the temple, they set him by that gate, and there he begged for his living. And Acts chapter 3 tells that account, and evidently for years had come to this location begging for his living. Uh, not ashamed to ask for that need. It's a great definition of what it means to be poor in spirit. See, to be poor in spirit is to become a, a spiritual beggar. Uh, and when I'm poor in spirit, I realize I have a need. I'm in spiritual poverty apart from Jesus Christ. I, I cannot meet my own need. I, I have nothing within me that can overcome the deep need that I have. I'm a sinner. I was born a sinner. I'm a sinner by nature. I'm a sinner by birth. I have the nature of Adam in my life. The Bible speaks of it as a spiritual death. And we might picture a casket and we could place a dead man in this casket here at the front of the auditorium. And that dead man, he's dead. He cannot speak. He has no pulse. He has no heartbeat. Uh, he cannot rise to give directions or orders. And, and basically, that's what the Bible teaches us uh, of us without the Lord Jesus Christ. We're dead spiritually. We're dead in trespasses and sin. Uh, we have no ability to raise ourselves from that deadness. And that man in this casket cannot raise himself. He has no power. He has no ability. And that's where I am spiritually without the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a need. And I cannot meet my own need. I have nothing within me to meet that need. And I'm not ashamed to come to God to have this need met. I come to the Lord as a beggar. You see, to be poor in spirit is similar to the biblical concept of humility. Uh, to understand humility is to understand who God is. God is holy, holy, holy. And to understand who I am. I am sinful. And to be humble is to recognize the holiness of God, the sinfulness of myself, and never get the two mixed up. See, when I have that understanding, that will make me a spiritual beggar before God. Before I could get saved, I had to come as a beggar. I was raised in church. My parents met in church. Mom was a piano player in church. I was baptized in fourth grade, but I was lost and without Christ. I had to come to this point to recognize that 
All of my goodness, my baptism, the good efforts that I made in life, going to church and praying and reading my Bible, they could not get me to heaven. I had to come as a beggar before God. Had to come and put my trust upon Jesus Christ and Him alone. Uh, See, that is to come in humility, a spiritual beggar, unable to save myself, but coming as the man in the temple who would not so much as lift up his eyes to heaven, but he would cry out and simply say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And it was not until I came to that point, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, that I could be saved. I had to come as the spiritual beggar before the Lord. And then beyond salvation, every aspect of our Christian life is based upon this humility. You see, just as I am saved by God's grace, I must depend upon that grace of God each and every day of my life. I really believe across America that in our churches we have not the power of God and we have not the touch of God because we're trying to do the work of God in the power of our human flesh. And we must come to this point to recognize that we are powerless to accomplish God's work. We need the touch of God and the power of God. And it cannot be the work of our own self. It must be the work of God's Spirit within us, changing us, molding us, and empowering us. I believe that's why God used Paul the Apostle so very much. Uh, Paul was a spiritual beggar. And Paul came to the point where he depended not upon his own strength, but upon the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, where Paul, because of the thorn in the flesh, had begged God to remove that thorn. And the Lord said unto Paul, Paul, basically, no, that thorn is there for a purpose, but he said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And here's Paul, filled with the power of God, used of God mightily in starting churches and preaching the gospel and touching the lives of multitudes. It's because Paul was humble before the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We sing the song, I am weak, but he is strong. And in every aspect of the Christian life, to gain victory over sin, to uh, do the work of God, we need the Lord, and that comes by being poor in spirit. And so it's defined through humility as a beggar. Now, poor in spirit demonstrated. It's demonstrated throughout the Word of God. I'd like you to take your Bibles for for a moment. Of course, the the greatest demonstration of being poor in spirit is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We we referred to this section this morning. Uh, It really describes this uh, heart of humility in the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, we read, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now notice the statement here, who being in the form of God, we, we recognize Jesus is God, manifest in flesh. The Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so who, being in the form of God, Jesus Christ, God in heaven, worshipped and adored by the angels, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But notice this statement, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men 
and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now here is God becoming man. He humbled himself, born in a manger, born to a poor family of a despised race, made himself of no reputation. He was born of a virgin and often would have been accused of being an illegitimate child. He became a servant of men. Here's the king of the universe coming into this world not to be served but to serve. He was obedient as the Bible describes unto death and we mentioned this morning uh, this statement and it's a principle that Jesus illustrates that the way down is the way up. See the way to God's blessing is through humility and not through pride. Well the Bible says that God exalts the humble but he abases the proud. As we read of the life of Jesus Christ in verse number 9, because of this humility, the way down is the way up. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Love to read that section of Scripture because uh, I think very soon we're going to see this and presidents and kings and politicians and leaders of the world will one day bow the knee to Jesus Christ and one day confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And We live in a world that is a mess and nobody wants to name the name of Jesus this name above all names but one day every person will name that name of Jesus and exalt that name because of the spirit of humility being poor in spirit it's demonstrated through the Lord Jesus Christ I'd like you to go back to the gospel of Matthew chapter 18 this time uh, being poor in spirit is demonstrated by a child Matthew chapter 18 Verse number 1, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this child or this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And we think of, of a child, and, and if you could picture maybe a, a toddler, and I think as I read this of my two granddaughters that were just recently here, they're in Arizona today, and we'll be back uh, later this week, but I, but I think of, of a child, and, and a child uh, is dependent upon others, dependent upon adults. A child is unable uh, to minister and meet their own needs. Now, uh, my granddaughters, they, they would love to get in the kitchen and cook a meal, but I'm not quite sure that it would be a meal you would want to eat at that point. Uh, they're dependent upon others. Now, also, if you think of a child, a child is very trusting. Uh, I could take Andrew and Andrew is big, and I could put Andrew on the top of the roof and say, Andrew, jump down and I'll catch you. And that would be pretty foolish of me, but I guarantee you Andrew's not going to jump down because he knows he's going to smash me, and he's not going to really trust that I'm going to catch him. But I could put little Jewel or Joy up on that roof and say, Jewel, Joy, jump down, and they would just jump right into my arms, and they would do so trusting. And this is a principle of humility. It's a principle of being poor in spirit. 
See, it reminds me, I was so filled with pride, so filled with pride in my own religion, and so afraid of what others would say if I admitted that I was lost. And I was a church member. And as a church member filled with pride, depending upon my own righteousness to get me to heaven, I had to come to that point as a little child and admit, Lord, I'm lost and on the road to hell. I was so afraid of what others would think, but when I came humbly to the Lord, He forgave me and He saved me. And here the Bible teaches to have that blessing, we've got to come poor in spirit, admitting that need. Let's go, if you would, to uh, the book of Mark, chapter number 10. To be poor in spirit is demonstrated by blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, I love this account of blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, verse number 46, tells the story. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway, side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. What a story. Blind Bartimaeus, he had a need. He was blind. He was a beggar. He could not meet his own need. And as you read this story, he hears that Jesus is passing by. Jesus, thou son of David, he cried out, have mercy on me. Others tried to quiet blind Bartimaeus. But he cried out the more, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He was not ashamed to proclaim his need. I think many times God's people miss a blessing from God because we're ashamed to humble ourselves. We're ashamed to come to an altar. We're ashamed to admit that we have a need. We're ashamed to admit that we need Jesus. And uh, we so often, we know how to smile. We know how to come to church. We know how to act like everything's okay. But we're ashamed sometimes to meet, admit we need help in our family. Uh, we need help in raising our children. Uh, we need help in living the Christian life. And we need to come like blind Bartimaeus. Poor in spirit, Jesus, have mercy on me. And not to be denied, not to be ashamed, but continue to call out to Jesus Christ. Now let me give you a negative demonstration. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, the church of Laodicea. See, to be poor in spirit is demonstrated for us negatively by this church. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. This is the Lord Jesus, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. 
I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now notice what Jesus said in verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Here was a church that had a great need, but they could not see their own need. Here's a church that felt it had need of nothing. Here's a church that because it was rich and increased in goods did not realize that it was spiritually in poverty and that it's spiritually without the power of God or the touch of God. Here was a church that was lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. And here's Jesus giving to this church a warning. And here's the Lord wanting this church to come and be poor in spirit and to come and purchase of the Lord this eye salve that they might see and to admit their lack and their need of the Lord. And I believe that so often we lack the power of God because we're like the church of Laodicea. You see, our needs are met. We have food on the table. We have jobs. We have cars. We have homes. We have all the things that we think we need. But the greatest need of our heart is the spiritual blessing that comes from God. And so the Lord counsels us to come poor in spirit and admit that need unto the Lord. Poor in spirit demonstrated. Let me take you through some scripture that really gives us a challenge tonight and see how being poor in spirit is really demanded of us. Let's go back to the Old Testament. We'll look up just a few verses tonight. And you can see the importance if we are to have the blessing of God upon our life. Second Chronicles, you're very familiar with this passage of Scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Uh, we have preached often through this section of Scripture, but notice the application of being poor in spirit. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, Solomon has dedicated the temple in Jerusalem unto the Lord. And as he's dedicated the temple, the Lord has appeared unto Solomon. In verse number 12 of 2 Chronicles 7, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer have chosen this place to myself and house of sacrifice. God said, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. God said, if my people, he's speaking to those that are saved, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I believe this in this context is really uh, being poor in spirit, coming humbly before the Lord, admitting, Lord, the windows of heaven are closed, and Lord, we need you. We need our prayers to be answered. And let me just state this, that God's people has never before need to cry out for this nation. We need to cry out for our churches. We need to cry out for the land. We need to put this into application. Let's go forward to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, one of my favorite accounts, the life of Jehoshaphat. In our passage of Scripture, 
Jehoshaphat is facing a great multitude, an enemy that is greater and mightier than he. And we read in verse number 3 of Jehoshaphat as the enemy comes against him, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together, notice this statement, to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. In verse number 12, as he prays unto the Lord, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. I've often looked at that passage of Scripture, and I've said in raising my children, Lord, I don't know what to do. Or being the husband, Lord, I don't know how to be the husband that I ought to be. Or as a pastor, Lord, I don't know how to be the pastor I ought to be. Lord, I need your wisdom. And I believe there's a principle here as Jehoshaphat asked help of the Lord. He's facing a situation beyond him. He's coming poor in spirit, seeking the face of God. And friend, I would just encourage whatever you face, whatever difficulties, whatever situation, needing help, needing direction, come humbly before the Lord and admit that need. 2 Chronicles chapter 32, another illustration in the Word of God. Uh, this is in the life of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah, he was a great king, loved the Lord. Verse 24, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, In those days Hezekiah was sick to the death and prayed unto the Lord. And he spake unto him and he gave him a sign. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up, that's pride. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. Both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. And this really speaks of though Hezekiah at one point was proud in his heart, he realized the wrath of God upon him, he humbled his heart, he became poor in spirit, admitted his need, and the Lord turned away from his wrath. Uh, let me just express, if God gives the United States what we deserve, it's his wrath. But wouldn't it be a blessing if God's people would come humbly, poor in spirit, and seek the face of God. Let me give you just a couple of others. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. This is in the life of King David. Psalm 51, you know the background. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. He lost the joy of his salvation. Nathan the prophet came before David. Said, David, you're the man. You're guilty. And David comes to the Lord poor in spirit, confessing his sins, Psalm 51. He cries out to the Lord, Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and none this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Go down to verse 17 of Psalm 51. David prays, The sacrifices of God 
are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. That's poor in spirit, broken, contrite, humbly before the Lord. Isaiah chapter 57, Isaiah chapter 57, it expresses so well this thought of being poor in spirit. Isaiah 57 verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. That's God's direction. That's what God demands of us. That's God's path to revival. It's God's path to blessing, to be poor in spirit, spiritual poverty, to become before the Lord as a spiritual beggar admitting my need. I want to go back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And you can see that when God's people have this heart of humility, this attitude of humbleness, coming as a beggar before the Lord, then God begins to bless. In verse 3, Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the way to salvation. Uh, friend, you will never be saved until you admit your need of salvation. You will never be saved until you admit that you cannot save yourself. You will never be saved until you see yourself as a sinner before a holy God. You will never be saved. We're going to be baptizing. But you will never be saved through these baptismal waters. You will never be saved by joining Valley Bible Baptist Church and you will never be saved by coming to each and every service. You will never be saved by reading your Bible every day and by praying unto the Lord. You ought to do those things, but those things will not save you. You will not be saved until you come before the Lord and admit, Lord, I'm lost and I cannot save myself. But you went to the cross and shed your blood for me. And Lord, I turn to you and you alone. Friend, I cannot save anybody in this audience. The only one that can save you is the Lord Jesus Christ. You can confess me your sin all you want to. I'm a sinner too. Uh, but you can confess your sin to the Savior. And the Savior is the one that can save you and forgive you and give you eternal life. It's the way to salvation, the way to the kingdom of heaven. And it's the way to spiritual blessing. You see, you'll never be the parent that God wants you to be until you admit, Lord, I can't do it without you. And you'll never be the husband or the wife that God wants you to be until you come before the Lord as a beggar and say, Lord, I can't do it without you. And you will never be able to serve God in His power and His might until you come before the Lord and say, God, I don't have much to give you, but what I have, it's yours. And Lord, I need you then to do the work through me. And Lord, I'm crucified with you. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's the power of God. That's the touch of God. That's the need of America. Quite honestly, I'm tired of religion. I want the Lord. I want God's blessing. I want God's touch. I want God's power in my home, my family, on this church. 
I want to see the Lord move and work across this valley. I want to see lives touched and changed and homes put together and men and women and boys and girls delivered from drugs and men learning how to be the husbands they ought to be and the leaders of their home and how to raise their children in the power of God. And I want to see churches planted across northern New Mexico. I'd like to see a new Bible Belt raised up. Friends, it's not anything that any of us will be able to do. It's something that if it's done, the only testimony will be God did it. It was God that did it. And God will do it because God's people humbled themselves and admitted their poverty and simply came as beggars before a holy God. I'd like us with that tonight to go to the Lord.